Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So there are many directions in which you can take this revelation that Joe Biden had classified documents at his office at this Penn Biden Center that was partially uh, with, done with the University of Pennsylvania, even though it was in Washington, D.C. It's where he held an office for a couple of years before he ran for president of the United States. And in that office, in some locked closet, he had classified information. Now, the locked closet, I don't know how it was locked. I don't know who had a key to the closet. The classified information, well, according to CNN, it was stuff that was supposed to be compartmentalized. It was supposed to be in a place where nobody could have access to it. And why would the then vice president have access to classified information? There are a numerous numbers of questions here. There is the legal side of this conversation, and I have spoken to lawyers about it, including William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. But then there is the national security conversation that must take place. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Victoria Coates joins us right now, Senior Research Fellow, International Affairs and National Security at the Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom with the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. This is your Ballywick. Now, you mostly focus, when we talk about national security on the Middle East, you focus on uh, North Africa, and you also uh, focus on the threat from the CCP, the the communist, the Chinese Communist Party. You have national security secrets, you, or you have classified documents, and maybe they're national security secrets in the possession of the vice president. Just, just off the quick, your take on that alone. Well, it's just it's it's incredibly careless. Uh, you know, my and my main angle on this, which your listeners might not know is I was uh, Don Rumsfeld's director of research and his archivist for a number of years. And that's actually how I got my first security clearance because his papers were so sensitive. You couldn't, you could look at them, even the historic ones uh, without a clearance. So you know, these, these records are incredibly sensitive. They're covered by the Presidential Records Act, which means everything that you do in your official capacity has to be captured. Uh, which creates all sorts of problems with texting in the modern age, but that's another issue. And for the vice president, who has been, as president, very critical of others for their handling of classified material, not to understand that these things should not be loosely taken out of the skiffs of the West Wing uh, and the EEOB and taken to a private office uh, is, is really quite hypocritical and I think deserves a much, much closer look. You mentioned your work with the former uh, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld. I was going to to get into that. Talk specifically about what you were doing in that capacity and the amount of, of safeguards, security measures, uh, the, the checklist you would have to go through to ensure that classified documents stayed that way. Yeah, uh, it's it's it is a laborious process, but but rightly so. This, this, these are our nation's most sensitive secrets. We need to keep them safe from the communist Chinese, among others. And Secretary Rumsfeld was, among many other things, a meticulous record keeper throughout his life. Uh, and the two biggest uh, archives for him were his tenures as Secretary of Defense, both uh, in the 70s and then after 2001. 
And there were both classified and unclassified versions of those tenures. We had them in digital form. Uh, and for the unclassified version, the secretary was so concerned that some kind of creep of classified material would have happened. If you go on Rumsfeld.com and look at the archival material he released, each one of them has a stamp on it from the uh, declassification authority that, that that document is unclassified regardless of its marking. So that was the kind of measure he took to ensure that he could not be accused of this because, you know, quite frankly, we didn't know what DOD had put on all those CDs that they, that they gave us. It, it was so voluminous, it was impossible to go through it and establish for sure. So he created this kind of blanket system. So that can be done. Uh, you know, it, it obviously it's not without precedent. And I think, you know, that that's a very good example for folks going forward of how to manage this material. Talking to Victoria Coates, a senior research fellow, international affairs and national security at the Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom with the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. So you know what you went through in order to keep uh, these uh, secret documents secret. In your view, how in the world does the vice president end up with anything in his closet? (laughs) Well, the vice president is... Uh, at the designation of the president, an intelligence super user. So the sitting vice president generally has the highest degree of, of security clearance. Their office is a secure space, but that's where the stuff should stay. And you know, when we, I was on the National Security Council staff, we had very clear protocols. And then the, the vice president has staffers who understand those protocols so that this just shouldn't happen. And the vice president, however, does not have the authority that the president has to declassify materials. And I understand that is the argument President Trump has made about the Mar-a-Lago materials, is that, that he returned what he felt you know, might have drifted uh, in last April, but that he had declassified the other things. And you know, he does have the authority to do that. So you know, that can be adjudicated in a separate Uh, a separate case, but the vice president does not. So there is no argument to be made that somehow Joe Biden as vice president could have declassified these materials. He would have had to submit them to a rigorous declassification review, which is going back to the Rumsfeld case, what we did with a number of his uh, materials that he wanted to use in support of his his memoir. Uh, And we went through, you know, a years long process to get these things declassified. Obviously, Biden didn't do anything of the sort. So now we ask ourselves, what kind of damage uh, is or can be done? These these are questions that would seem to be uh, pretty rational, that they're in an office there at this Penn Biden Center, which was indeed financed, uh, a lot of donations taken uh, from China, as has been reported by the New York Post, some $54 million uh, worth are there specific kinds of documents that the vice president would have had access to, or could it have been quite literally anything that got shoved in a folder, shoved in a box, and shoved supposedly in a closet? Well, it could have been anything, because as I said, he's a, he would have been a super user. He would have had access to everything. Uh, but one thing that I would be curious about is is these very sensitive documents have numbers on them. There aren't very many copies. Sometimes there's only one copy. 
Uh, and those numbers are tracked. And if it's missing, the controlling agency, something like the CIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, should be hollering that they're missing a copy of their document. So you know, if this was material from six, seven years ago, how did it go six, seven years with nobody noticing that it was missing? And to your point about the Biden Center uh, at the University of Pennsylvania, of which I'm also a proud graduate, uh, it's very curious to me why they would have some of the most expensive office space in the world at 101 Constitution Avenue in Washington, D.C., when their stated mission is to work with Penn undergraduates on international affairs. I mean, for the vice president's, former vice president's personal use, this seems like an extraordinary use of funds. And especially if those funds are coming from foreign donors, I think that deserves a, a very close look. Now let's get into who looks for, for secrets. You know, it sounds like something that is easily answered. Well, everybody's spying on everybody. Everybody's looking for our information. But we've now seen, regardless of what you think of President Trump, he may have had classified documents in his possession. True, the president could declassify anything just by taking it, saying it's declassified. There's a lot of questions there. The vice president, in this case, uh, when Joe Biden was vice president, he certainly doesn't have the argument that Trump had. But talk to me about what that back and forth is like. The, those people looking for information, those people looking to access top secret documents, uh, exactly how many organizations, how many countries are looking for this? Are they friend or are they foe or are they both? And what kind of damage can be done if this kind of information, secure information is accessed? It, you know, here in the swamp of Washington, D.C., one assumes everybody's a spy and everybody is on the lookout for additional information because information is literally currency in this town. And certainly both friends and foes have a vested interest in trying to find out what the United States is doing, how it will affect their interests. You know, sometimes it's benign on the part of our friends, but we would hope that we would be sharing more information more fulsomely with them and they wouldn't need to spy on us. But you know, that's an individual country's decision. For our foes, it's a far more deadly game. Uh, they are trying to gain advantage uh, advantage over us. They are trying to undermine our sovereignty. They are trying to advance their interests uh, at our detriment. And so whatever the then vice president uh, had shoved in a box, you know, if you're looking at the most benign explanation that this was, was sloppiness rather than malfeasance, uh, you know, that, that any of that information, once out of an official secure environment, is vulnerable. And I don't care what lock they had on this closet in some office building. Uh, the, the locking scenario that you go through in an act, actual secure uh, space is multi-layered and extremely cumbersome. So whatever this was, it wasn't going to be su- sufficient to truly protect the information. What should be what happens next? And we haven't even gotten into the idea that this information was found out November 2nd, six days before uh, the midterm elections. It's been two months. We don't know as of this moment that we're talking whether or not other Biden properties have been investigated by the FBI. If they looked at other office space, looked at his homes, he might have other documents. I assume they did that with President Trump as well. Um, 
what what comes next? Are you somebody in favor of charges uh, against um, uh, uh, the, the, the president? Should the attorney general Merrick Garland be the guy in charge of this operation? Well, this, the timing of this thing stinks to high heaven. Uh, they certainly knew in early November how incredibly newsworthy the Trump story had been from August on. So they knew this was going to be of great public interest, and they, they kept it quiet as long as they could, which is really shoddy. And I think the, the voters in the midterms deserve to know what, what President Biden had done. And you raise the issue of other properties. Bear in mind, we also had that uh, shady office space in Wilmington uh, that was part of one of Hunter Biden's Chinese-related ex- uh, enterprises to which Joe Biden had access. He had a key that comes off of the laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop. So what what might have drifted into that office and become vulnerable? You know, what's hanging out at the beach house in Delaware? You just have no idea. And I think that those questions have to be answered. And the president needs to come clean with the country about what was in these, not details, obviously, we prefer to keep those quiet, but what, I mean, what sort of documents they were. When, when the Mar-a-Lago raid happened, people were squawking that, you know, nuclear secrets were in those documents. What, this needs to be answered and there needs to be equity between these two cases. Victoria Coates, C-O-A-T-E-S, Victoria Coates, on Twitter, Senior Research Fellow, International Affairs and National Security, Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More to get to. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz.